Greg and Josh are not paid critics. They are not experts, nor do they claim to be. They are just two nerds that love to talk about internet shows. However, they're still going to tell you about what they think. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of All Queued Up. Welcome to another episode of All Queued Up. I am your host, Greg Dietz, and with me always is my co-host, Josh Fisher. Hey, everybody. Um, what was uh, up with that? It's just like drawn out, hey. I don't know. I was trying something new, and immediately when I did that, I was like, that sounded weird and like not, I didn't like it. So I just kind of went back into my regular like, I don't know. Look, man, when you do 20 episodes of this, you try something new and it doesn't work. You just move on. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Uh, guys, again, welcome to the show. If you're new to the show, uh, what Josh and I do here is we watch two shows on a streaming internet service platform a la Netflix, Hulu Plus, Amazon Prime, YouTube Red, what have you. We watch the two shows in their entirety. If it's 13 episodes, one hour piece, we watched all 13 episodes. And then we give our impressions and our feelings on the show, and at the end we give a grade. Like, we're teachers in a classroom full of people who are way more talented than us. Um, wait, wait, wait. We gotta talk about our feelings? Shit. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's rough because we're men. <laughs> that was weirdly okay. a misogynistic joke that didn't land i don't think it's okay a lot of misogynist jokes don't land these days uh, fair enough fair enough um all too true sir all too true uh guys if you're listening to this on a on a uh podcast platform of your choice uh, we are at allcuteuppodcast.com. That's where you can find everything that we do, including Josh's blogs, my you my my video reviews that I've done one of and I need to do more, um, and uh, all the other stuff, including our Patreon, which is how you could directly help us make this podcast better. So uh, we'll get to more of that later. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about the movie Cargo, starring Martin Freeman and Luke Cage Season 2. Uh, starring a huge cast of multi-talented people. Um, but uh, because Luke Cage is, a, this is season two, we'll also be discussing season one. So if either of those things you have not watched, go watch those and come back and listen to us. Um, but without further ado, Josh, uh, let's go ahead and get into our first topic, Cargo. Mm, uh, why don't cargo. you go, get, go ahead and run down a quick synopsis, would you, sir? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, well, of course, Cargo is a movie. It's about an hour and 44 minutes long, and it stars the brilliant Martin Freeman. Uh, you may have recognized Martin Freeman from the BBC Sherlock series. Um, you know, the, uh, Peter Jackson Hobbit trilogy, you know, um, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Some of the, you know, he's also shown up in some. Uh, some of the Avengers stuff. He was in what? Uh, yeah, Winter he was Soldier. In, and, he was a yeah. major uh, part in uh, uh, Black when, Panther. Oh, okay, awesome. I haven't seen Black the, Panther yet. Oh God, he um. I need to. He uh, he's basically he's basically uh, uh, Wakanda's like CIA liaison. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, but, but yeah, uh, I, was, I, was gonna, I was just gonna say I was just gonna say he's in um. 
uh, at World's End, which is the third uh, ice cream that oh, I can't remember the name of the brand of movie. Nice, nice, with uh, Simon, <laughs> Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And Nick Frost, yeah. That's great. I still need to see that, too. I'm behind on like... shit. It happens. <laughs> it happens. Uh, but this yeah. podcast ain't helping. <laughs> no, but that's okay, because I enjoy doing it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Martin Freeman stars in this movie. It's set in Australia. Um, basically, it's set in Australia during a terrible pandemic outbreak of some sort that the Australian government is trying to get under control and doesn't seem to be a cure. Basically, if you get bitten by someone who is infected, you have approximately 48 hours before you become one of these things. Um, Pretty much it's a zombie movie, um, but it's pretty well done for a zombie movie. And basically, uh, in the early going, his wife is bitten. She is about to turn. Uh, he's trying to get her and their one-year-old daughter to safety to try to help her. She realizes it's futile. There's an accident. Uh, she basically she perishes and in the process she bites him infecting him and now he's got 48 hours to find someone he trusts enough to leave his infant uh, daughter with and care for before he dies yeah I was going to say it uh, <clears throat> It reminds me of um, I think it's Kaibo Kaibo and the, and the little wolf or the lone wolf or something like that I cannot remember the name of that Japanese movie basically it's a samurai who has a baby on his back the entire time. Uh, it's a really, really good movie. But it kind of reminded me of that, where uh, he's forced to, to travel an extended distance to, yeah. to you know, and protect th this child. And, and uh, this, is, this is the outback, too. It's not like it's in the cities. This is very rural uh, in Australia, so... It's not like, Something, you know, somebody's going to be just over the next ridge or the next hill or around the next right. bend. I mean, let's not sugarcoat this. It is a zombie movie. Uh, yeah. Full and full, like, it, 100%. Um, but think, something that really drives me nuts about current zombie stories is how they are uh, about the zombies or about the huge community. To me... That takes away from what a zombie story should be, in my opinion, and th that's the personal nature of these stories. It should be isolated to an extent. Like, like this was. La, 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 la. Like, that's what I loved about it so, so much, was <clears throat> it wasn't about anybody else. It was about his story, his journey. Mm -hmm. Even the quote-unquote villain of the movie, the um, which I can't remember the guy's name. I'm terrible with names. His name was um, Vic. Vic, thank you. Even with Vic's like interaction and that whole that whole aspect, that just added an antagonist to you know to to his story. Um, but it didn't add like it didn't have an unnecessary extra characters. You know, like everything worked and made sense. And they even like to an extent, kind of like not not directly explained the zombie apocalypse, but explained how. Australia kind of fell into this wasteland, if you will, without without you know directly telling the audience. So I adored this movie. 
absolutely fucking adored it. <clears throat> like, like it, it, um, I think one of my, or one of the best aspects to it for me is that whenever you watch a zombie story, there are people who are bitten or eaten and you go, well, that was really stupid of them. Had they done this, it would have changed. Mm-hmm. And 100% that happens to both Martin Freeman's character and his wife. Mm-hmm. She makes a stupid choice and gets bitten. Mm-hmm. He makes a stupid choice, gets bitten. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but instead of, instead of playing that off as like, well, they're just stupid characters who had a circum- circumstance happen. It, 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 it made sense. Like, she wanted to do something nice for him. He didn't warn her about the zombie in the boat. <laughs> exactly. She, he said it was safe. Bit. There was no threat. She goes over there, you know, oh, for a frame of reference, they were traveling on a river in Australia, an unnamed river, in a houseboat that they had come across. And they find a marooned sailboat. <clears throat> he takes a little... uh Little dinghy with a small outboard motor over to it. Goes on this sailboat, finds a shitload of supplies, because at the start of the movie, they're down to about two or three days worth of rations. You know, and they've got an infant they're trying to care for. Uh, He finds about three months worth of supplies, but in the process, he hears something, and whatever was in the... uh, is like a closet, or maybe it was a bathroom. I'm not sure. Uh, the door was opened up a little bit. It started to open and he realized, oh shit, something's in there. And she's like, oh, you didn't find a razor over there to shave that beard? He's like, oh, what? This is rugged. And she's like, uh, yeah, she wanted to go back while he was taking a nap to see if there was anything she could, anything else she could find. She finds a razor because she wanted him to shave. This is why you should never shave your beards out there, guys. If you shave your beard, <laughs> your wife will die of horrible zombie bites. Just don't do it. Yeah, exactly. It's, this has it's... been a public service announcement announcement from all queued up. <laughs> <laughs> well, like one of the one of the issues, like um, I'll say this early Walking Dead uh, comics, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they did this quite a bit, where like somebody's somebody of of. Uh, of value to the group or um somebody that people other people cared about would get bitten mm-hmm. and they were like it's fine it's fine i'll you know I'll, when i change you just shoot me in the head like no big deal and they keep prolonging it to where it becomes dangerous and that's mm-hmm. exactly what happens here exactly um, you know what if there's ever a zombie apocalypse and something happens and I'm, i realize i get infected i'm just gonna be like well i had a good run and just pfft, off myself then, because well, why drag it out? Why drag it out? I've seen zombie stories where they do that, where it comes down to a moment where they're just like one bullet saved for my own brain, um, which I think is totally like a thing you should do in that scenario. Uh, she wanted to off herself way earlier than he was willing to, and yeah, he wanted he wanted to take advantage of that forty eight hours. He's like, we've got 48 hours. Well, no, she had a terrible wound on her leg. She was bleeding out. She wasn't going to have that 48 hours, but he wanted to use as much as he possibly could of it. Yeah. 
Exactly. And, that's, and, that's, and, and I get that. It's human nature. It's selfish. It's human nature. But at the same time, it's not smart. Not smart at all. No, it's 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 uh, it's exactly. If you can hear my dogs like barking in the background, I do apologize. Uh, they're having a moment. Stop beating your uh, dogs, man. I'm not even around them. <clears throat> I have my door closed too. They're just freaking out. Um. Anyway, uh, I, I'm sure you can hear them. That's awesome. Uh, it's okay. But I, I loved it. I loved how it made sense. Like, like I remember watch. I was watching it with my mom, and she just goes, "Why would you turn towards your daughter?" And I just went, "His daughter was crying." Like he didn't know. Like he wasn't thinking about the wife. He wasn't thinking about the consequences of turning towards her, towards her, to check his daughter. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it because was a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, as a parent, your kid's crying, you immediately want to know what's wrong so you can fix it. Exactly. Um, I mean, that's that's instinct, like you said. And that, yeah, and that that's like, oh, oh, I'm gonna talk about so that same scene. Um, this comes from like the the cinematographer part of my brain. Um, I love the shot of concentrating on the baby's face and pseudo blurry in the backdrop of him walking over to his wife and, and killing her. Yeah. And it was just being one shot. Oh my God. Just mwah, beautiful. Just, yeah. Oh, tickles, tickles that like artsy fartsy part of me. <laughs> well, you know, it's also, it's like you, you, you know, he's doing a terrible thing, but it's not necessary to see this terrible thing, but yet you're still seeing it happen just out of focus you know and that's that's that was a smart choice i think there were a lot of smart choices made in this like in the end um when he is desperately trying to get back to the river because remember early on in the first couple of minutes they're passing a family that's on that riverbank they've got like a little trailer and you know, he's like, well, maybe they had two kids. Maybe they can take care of my daughter. And he finds yeah. them. And he's like, the guy looks at him. He says, I've only got six. And he pulls out a, a revolver, shows him six bullets. He's like, save the other two for you and her. And then you see that he's got a huge bite on his neck. And you see that even though he's been digging a big hole, He's not sweating because of the digging. He's sweating because he's burning up with the fever and he's about to die. He knows yep. he's about to turn. And he's got his wife and his two kids and they know what's... His wife knows what's coming. His kids are like dressed up as pirates. And We're going to play, right, Daddy? Yay! Yeah, we're going to find that pirate treasure. We just got to dig a little more. And Martin Freeman's character, Andy, that's his name. Andy walks away with his daughter, Rosie. And he just, you know, as soon as, as soon as they're out of eyesight, you hear bang, bang, bang. And then you see the guy come up behind him. And for a moment, you think, oh, shit, he's going to shoot the two of them and then shoot himself and just, you know. But no, he shoots himself blurry out of focus behind him uh, once yeah. again. And it's just like, oh, my God. How could it's, you it's, 
I mean, how could that that choice as a husband so, and father to have to make that choice? It's like have have we ever talked about the movie The Mist? We have not. So that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Hmm. Um, a lot of people always go, I don't understand why that's one of your favorite movies. It's it's you know like a lot of people don't like that movie because it's super dark, super um. It's it's rough, essentially, and especially with that ending, it's even rougher. Uh, the um, That scene alone reminded me of the scene in uh, In the Mist. You've seen that movie, right? No, I've not. Okay, well, this is... Huh. Well, you know what, Josh? <laughs> I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to spoil it just to make context to what the fuck I'm talking about. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 irony here, you know, I do a podcast that, you know, occasionally releases spoilers, yet yeah. personally I hate spoilers myself, but it don't let it ruin things for me, so go ahead, I don't care. <laughs> so the whole movie, the whole movie, basically, the idea is that there's a uh, a mist lay, like over this small village, a small town, island town, yeah, and yeah. in the mist are a, a, a varied amount of monsters, almost like someone opened Pandora's box or some shit. And um, it never explains where the monsters come from because it doesn't matter. the The story is about everybody that's inside this, that's locked themselves inside this uh, grocery store, mm-hmm. and um. Uh, at the end of it, like the grocery store is become like it's becoming more and more dangerous by either the people inside or the monsters that are getting inside. So the dad, played by uh, Thomas Jane, oh. he takes his he yeah. takes his family, and he gets into a car. They drive to a location, and it's still there's mist everywhere. All hope is lost. Like they're gonna die, right? Like that. It's just a matter of time at this point. So he takes a gun, he shoots his kids, he shoots his, like, friend, he shoots this other woman, and he goes to shoot himself, and the and the gun's empty. He doesn't have any more bullets to kill himself. He then mm-hmm. gets out of the car, and the military comes up, and the the mist is leaving. Oh. So. <laughs> and he has super... to live. He has to live with that the rest of his life. Oh, yeah, it's super bleak and super dark, and I fucking love it. So watching that little scene immediately in my head, like I was thinking of that movie because of how brilliant it was filmed. How like, um, it, it didn't ex- explicitly tell you what he was going to do. If you were half paying attention, you weren't going to know that he was going to do that. And then when he does it, it's still beautiful for the people who weren't paying attention as it was for the people paying attention. It's brilliantly filmed. Mm -hmm. Just brilliantly filmed. So for me, like, to see that in the correlation with The Mist, I was just, I was very, very happy and pleased. Um, Uh, It was was brutal, but what what makes it even more heart-wrenching is you know during his journey he keeps encountering and then begins to travel with this young um probably early teen uh tween age uh girl from the outback Um, yeah i'd say she's aboriginal yeah she's definitely aboriginal um 
and they begin traveling together, and he realizes she's his last hope. And he's like, if something happens to me, will you please make sure she's taken care of? She's like, yeah. But he knows he's running out of time. He's running out of time rapidly. And the lengths that he goes to to ensure fighting off these new urges that are creeping in and his parental instincts, like his eyes have gotten to the point where this weird ochre-colored substance is now crusting over his eyes. He's starting to crave blood and raw flesh. And he finds some, ties it to the end of a stick that's about six feet long or so. And he has his daughter on his back in a pack. And the young girl, Toomey, riding on his back as well, holding it like bait, dangling it in front of him. So if he does get the urges, or if he changes, he'll keep following it. He has her bound his hands, bind his hands together and put like a mouthpiece in his mouth so he can't bite. And at the end scene, when, they, when she returns home to her family with this baby, she's riding on the back of, you know, a zombified Andy. And it was just... Uh, it's just like this guy kept pushing and kept pushing. He loves his daughter so much that he went to the very end to make sure it was just it was powerfully moving. There's a um, brilliant shot in that scene uh, that I think for me, I, I really appreciate how they did it. And that was the fact that. Um, the entire movie is, is a struggle for him. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's definitely, a, um, it's not an easy time. And when he figures out this is what he has to do, that he basically has to like mule himself into saving his daughter, he, um, um, when he gets to the other aboriginals and they take the baby and they take Toomey and then there's that moment where they stab him in the head. They don't show the stabbing. Yeah. They show his, his body, how it's kind of tense and like pushed forward. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he dies, you see everything releases. Yeah. It's clearly that's just because he's dead, but the way that it's shot and looked is as if he finally gets to relax. Yep. And I, oh my god, I was just, again, that whole, like, it's just, it's just so well, well done. Um, This is not a movie that you want to watch if you want to have a great day. No, Um, I cried. I full on cried. This is, this is a very heart-wrenching, emotional story about one man's struggle um, and the terrible tragedy that's befalling all around him. And he's still having to push on and push on when, you know, you never know what you're capable of. You never know what your breaking point is. You never know. It's like, what's too much. What's, what's too much to make you give up. And this guy just absolutely did not ever sing. He never, ever gave up even beyond the point to where he was, you know, undead still going because he knew what to do. He realized what he had to do before that to reach his end game, basically, you know, his ultimate goal. 
and that that's that's some powerful stuff to see yeah um do you have any other uh thoughts before we move on to grading no no i, I think i pretty much said everything uh <laughs> All right, well, go ahead. Go ahead and give your grade real quick. I uh, give this movie. Uh, I have to give this movie an A. It was the. It was beautifully shot, and you know, it's it's an independent film. Uh, didn't have a huge budget. It's very very well done. Uh, well written. You know, what dialogue there is is very smart. Uh, you know, nothing feels out of place. And it's, if you're looking for a story that will make you feel, this is definitely a movie for you. Uh, Martin Freeman was brilliant in this. And all the supporting characters, you know, most of them just have a couple of scenes. Uh, but everybody did very, very well. Uh, this this was an outstanding original movie. Um, definitely check it out. I uh, give it an A. Uh, I almost mirror your exact thoughts on that. I um I give it an A as well. Uh, there are a few uh, moments that are a bit dull. Um, because I think the 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 director and our cinematographer are getting a bit. A bit artsy with their shots, and I think it's it's it probably stayed on Vic a little too long. Like we got his crazy pretty early, and we didn't need to see continuous moments of his crazy. Yeah. But um, other than that, I think the movie just flows very well. It has really well, like really good pacing. Um, I, I for me, I'm I'm kind of tired of zombie stories. I I just I'm I'm a little fed up. I'm a little bored of zombie stuff. I stopped reading the Walking Dead comic, which I loved. Um, whenever a video game does like a zombie mode, I could give two shits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, uh, it's just, I'm just tired of the zombie stuff. So having a movie like this, that is in my idea of what a zombie story should be is absolutely well done and borderline perfect. So really well done. Good. Good. Like, honestly, watch this movie. Um, know that it is sad. I cried at least three times in it. Because it's just super emotionally emotionally driven, but yeah, two two solid A's from Josh and I on that. All right, guys, we're gonna move on to Luke Cage. We are. Uh, oh, okay. I mean, but first, I didn't. I just wanted to remind people. You know, we're still uh, taking pre-orders for an all queued up T-shirt. You know, uh, don't sleep on that. Get one so you can sleep in it. All queued up t-shirts when you're wearing those things give you a blissful night's sleep. You'll wake up feeling refreshed. You know what we should do for fun one day? What's that? Just record record a YouTube video that's basically us trying to sell the shirt as if we're on QVC. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be funny. But yeah, yeah. No, we're still taking pre-orders for those. You know, there's no set cutoff date. We're just taking pre-orders until they get filled. Once we get those filled, we'll get the order placed. But email us at allcuteuppodcast at gmail.com uh, with your size. Uh, they are black 100% gilded cotton t-shirts with the all queued up 
uh, logo art on the front, and they are sizes uh, small up to 5X, $30 shipped to your door. But, yeah. but wait, there's more. There is. If you order now, Josh will intentionally take part of one of the wrappings around the stump and send you the smell in a jar. No, he will not. <laughs> because that is disgusting. However, <laughs> however, there's no smell to the stump, by the way. Uh, no, no, I didn't say the stump smells, but I, I imagine the wrapping does. <laughs> Not really. Imagine after my bandages. Really? My bandages are pretty clean, man. It's basically just wrapped to keep it protected while it's still healing on the inside. There's only one small place that's not closed up all the way. I imagine the first few wrappings weren't great, though. No, huh? no, because infection is what makes it smell. There was no infection in it. They cut the infection out of my body. Would you just play along with the gag? It's called yes and, Josh. But, no, it's no but. <laughs> because that's gross. Ew. Just make I a will, joke that you have a stinky I will, stump. I will, however, send you pics of a stump puppet of your choice. Oh, I was going to say, mention that, because have you created the uh, Instagram yet? Uh, not the Instagram, but I have registered an email for it. Stump puppet reviews. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I've been making stump puppets out of my leg. Uh, Such a good idea. Uh, it's hilarious. I put googly eyes on the bandage, and I got some pop cleaners to, like, make hair. I'm going to, like, try to get some, like, fine friends that have toddlers and get some of their old toddler t-shirts or outfits that they don't use anymore and just, like... I almost full-on just spit out my tea when you said, when you said that. <laughs> you know, have, like, a little oh. shirt down there below, like, oh, it's wearing this shirt, you know. Son of a bitch. <laughs> can, you, can you go to the store? Josh, hear me out on this. Can you go to the store and buy, like, a plastic baby doll and then, like, tear off the legs and arms? Okay. And then and then when you put on the onesie, like, like not glue, but tape them on the... Uh, Dude. Tape them to your leg. Dude. Yeah. Consider it done. Consider it done. Uh. Uh, anyway, we should probably move on to Luke Cage. Uh. See, if I had bulletproof skin like Luke Cage, I wouldn't have lost my stump or lost my leg, but, you know. Well. It happens. I guess technically, yeah, because it was glass, but. Mm -hmm. Um. So we're going to talk about a little bit about season one, but primarily season two. Um, uh, yeah, because season one was released a year before this podcast was born, but I hadn't seen it. I hadn't made the time to watch it, even though I love Jessica Jones. I love Daredevil. I love The Punisher. I hadn't started watching Luke Cage yet. Uh, so, so something funny about Luke Cage for me, Josh, is that I... And I'm sure you're in a similar ballpark as I am. Uh, reading Heroes for Hire growing up, mm -hmm. or just the Iron Man Luke, uh, the Power sorry, Man and Iron, Iron, Iron Fist, the, uh, yeah, Power Man Iron Fist. Um, it, it it was it's super exciting to see a good representation of Luke Cage on screen. Oh God, yes. Um, and I 
fucking love season one. So, so for anybody who's watching this, who doesn't care about spoilers and wants to know what Luke Cage is about, it is a, it's based on the Marvel comic series uh, by the, either the same name or called Power Man, depending on which one you're reading. And mm-hmm. the idea is that the the comic was originally created at a time when um, black exploitation era of the early seventies. Yeah, and and Marvel really wanted to add some characters that represented the era, mm-hmm. and that's why Luke Cage was born. Luke also, Cage is very much also Misty Knight as well. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. Um, pretty much anything around. I mean, you go back and read early issues of Luke Cage, and there's some villains and some characters that pop up that you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, they oh. they wouldn't they wouldn't get the green light today. No, but the character of Luke Cage himself, he wasn't, he, he's what was able to transition, which is awesome. I mean, parts of it were too, but anyway, I digress. The show, however, takes place within the MCU, or the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and um, it takes place in Harlem which the original comic does as well. Mm -hmm. And the idea of Luke Cage, the character himself, is he is a superhuman of sorts who has enhanced strength, enhanced speed, and bulletproof skin. Quite literally, you cannot cut his skin. At least that's what the thought was. Um, the, uh, The plot in the show is basically that... Um, there are gangsters within all of Harlem that are trying to take control of Harlem, which causes a lot of crime and a lot of crossfire to happen. So Luke Cage comes in with his bulletproof skin and he tries to fight that crime. Um, so for me, watching season one, I love season one. Oh yeah, I love the I love the character of Cottonmouth. Adored Cottonmouth. Yeah, he was great. Uh, who's the main Who's the main villain of for the first half of season one? Yep. Until his crazier cousin, I think it was. Yeah, they were cousins. Di- yeah, Diamondback shows up, and Diamondback is like if if um. Well, Cottonmouth worked. Cottonmouth was crazy. Cottonmouth worked with Diamondback. Diamondback was kind of like I call the shots, you do what I say. And Cottonmouth's cousin, Mariah, she was, you know, this politician. You know, she was like, I'm on the city council. I'm a councilwoman. I make things happen. And Cottonmouth used his uh, his funding from illegal gun sales. He, he was an arms dealer behind the scenes. He would use that to fund her campaigns and her various projects. and. She finally had all she can take of him. She snapped and she killed him in his own club one night. Yeah. And that's when Diamondback came in. He was like, well, you I know. thought Diamondback showed up before Mariah killed him. Killed Cottonmouth. Nope. Right after. And then again, I haven't, I haven't seen the show since it first came out. I, so. think, I think it was right after. Um. Okay. Well, you watched it more recently, so I'm sure you remember a little mm-hmm. bit better than I do, but... Um, at least those little details. I, that was the thing about this show that I thought was so intriguing about season one was that they basically took out the main antagonist in like episode eight of 13. They, um, unlike other shows, it it wasn't, uh, the, the stuff wasn't cut and dry and arguably, arguably within season one, Luke was a lesser interest. To, the, to at least the audience, I felt. Um, I felt like the writers really put a lot of emphasis on the villain. Uh, I think that's something that I could I could argue that the the Netflix Marvel shows do really well is put emphasis on the villain. Yes, yes, 
you know, in the in the in the MCU movie verse, you don't have a lot of great, memorable, well-crafted villains. You've got Loki. You've got Thanos. Who else? Um. Well, you haven't seen. I haven't uh, seen Black, Black Panther, Panther, so I can't say Killmonger. But I, I I'll say Killmonger. Okay. He's easily one of the best villains they've ever done. Okay. So. Now, in the TV universe, though, for the Netflix MCU stuff, Wilson Fisk. Oh my God. Yes. Oh yeah. Kilgrave. I, oh my God. Yeah. Cotton I was gonna mouth. say the, the only show the only show that doesn't have good villains in the Marvel shows is. Uh, Iron Fist. <laughs> I I would say Iron Fist and and Defenders. See, I Iron still Fist need to watch Defenders. both of those. I still need to watch They're, both uh, of those because I know there are things that happen in between seasons one and two of Luke Cage that bridge the gap in Defenders. Um, and it, it, and honestly, I will say, having not watched Defenders. I think you should watch Defenders before you watch, and Iron Fist for that matter, before you watch season two of Luke Cage. It's not Absolutely. necessary, but it will help on little things. There is one like whole episode that it really, really helps. Is that the one um, where Danny Rand shows up? Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. That's what I'm talking about. And you know what? I love the shit out of that episode. But I think also on and and in your defense um i don't know if it's a defense but definitely it, for for you you have history reading the comics oh god yeah i've been i was reading you know power man and iron fist comics you know when i was like nine ten years old i love if, if you don't have i loved you know heroes for hire 100 <clears throat> um i've got many mates of luke cage and iron fist <laughs> I think if you don't have that history already kind of under your belt, like it, you're you, this that that specific episode is not going to make a lick of sense to you if you haven't watched Iron Fist or Defenders. That's true. That's very true. Um, that being said, for comic book fans, ooh boy, was I giddy as hell mm -hmm. watching that whole thing and the little nods, the little fucking nods that they kept throwing in and out of there mm -hmm. about like about the comics and whatnot. I was just like, oh my god, these are so good. Oh yeah, I was like so in, happy. Like in season one when he, you know, if you guys haven't seen it, Luke Cage was a former cop. He was framed and sent to prison, and he was uh, beaten down. He was entered into illegal fight rings in the prison, and they were broadcasting him over the internet for money. Uh, he was beaten nearly to death, and he was subjected to an experiment that this one doctor was doing in trying to create treatments to heal soldiers wounded on the battlefield. And this one crooked guard didn't want Luke Cage to survive and tried to stop the experiment, and when it went haywire, that's what gave him his powers, his enhanced strength, increased speed, not like Flash levels increased, but like Usain Bolt level of increased, and uh, his bulletproof skin. And when he broke out, and he swam to shore, because the prison was called Seagate, it was like three, four miles off the coast, um, when, he, when he gets to shore, and he's trying to find some clothes, so he 
doesn't look like an escaped convict. He puts on this outfit that he gets off a clothesline, and it looked exactly like his 70s costume, and that was so great. The yellow open collar, the open yellow shirt and the blue jeans. I was like, oh. And he had on those head, that headband from the experiment and those gauntlets. I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. What's what's really what's really fascinating about the show is that they um and yeah they, they did this a lot in season one he wears hoodies all the time when mm-hmm. he's fighting crime yep. and a lot of the time the hoodies that he wears have yellow inlining mm-hmm. inside for, and so for like li- like that that little touch of the yellow is always something that makes me very happy as a comic book fan yep and the um, oh one thing the music. The music yeah. that they use in every episode, there is just incredible music selections. And the fact that they set this, you know, in like Harlem, and you've got members of the Wu-Tang Clan in the show, in both yeah, seasons, and, yeah. doing live musical performances in the show. I was like, oh my God, that is so cool. Because I love me There's some Wu-Tang, because the uh, Wu-Tang Clan there- ain't nothing to fuck with. You know that, right? <laughs> there's, a, there's a song that, that comes up in season one. Um Oh God, I don't remember the name of the song, um, but it's during a very integral scene, and you, and you get to hear the whole song because it's inside Harlem's Paradise, like they're actually performing the song. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God, hold on, uh, I'm googling song from Luke Cage season one. Fucking Google, come on, song from, oh my God, I'm just gonna say it into Google. Song from season one of Luke Cage, because it's arguably the most the most like memorable song. Uh, as soon as I fucking see the title of it, I'm like, that's the one. But yeah, the I, I completely agree with you. Like the music is undoubtedly one of the best things in the in the entire series. I mean, it, it it's it's really well done. Uh, you know, I like how he'll be like out on patrol and he'll have his. He'll have his earbuds in because he's listening to music and the song will be playing. And you'll just see him walking and you see somebody say something to him and he'll take the earbuds out and then the song stops playing. Long live the chief. Oh, okay. Yeah, that one. Uh, was that the uh, Delphonics? No, that wasn't the Delphonics. Anyway. Okay. That one. Okay. I was yeah. trying to do 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Under 15 seconds. But Is yeah. it 15? I thought it was 10. No, right, anyway, it's 15. Regardless, copyright laws, guys. Um, uh, yeah, so that particular song, I listened to, like, I think I downloaded it on Google Play mm-hmm. a long time ago. I don't have it on my current phone, but um, I listened to that song like 80 times. Like, it's it's that good. I don't know why specifically that song. That song like stood the hell out to me. Hell yeah, man! And it, it something that you kind of touched upon in season one. The this soundtrack not only is good on its own, but they they hit every single proper feeling for what was going on in the season. Oh god! With the song, yeah, yeah. It's almost like okay, they storyboarded it to music, kind of. They really did. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was incredibly well like the, done. Yeah, like that song we just we that I just played, "Long Live the Chief." I think was at the end of episode seven, right before episode eight, when he dies. Mm-hmm. 
Or when uh, Cottonmouth dies, like it just it's so it's just so perfect. Yes, I love it, man. I'm 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 in total agreement with you on that. But yeah, yeah. So season one, basically, you know, when he's taken out, his uh, right hand man, Shades, dude, I love Shades. Yeah, Shades sees Mariah go batshit nuts and kill Cottonmouth. And she's thinking, oh, no, what have I done? My world's over. He's like, I see something in you. I'm going to, you know, help you get in this game and rule it like I know you can. And honestly, I really enjoyed Theo Rossi as Shades in the first season. Second season, man, he blew me away. Loved Shades. He was he yeah. is honestly my favorite character in the entire series. I think I think in season two they they definitely did a better job with his character than in season one. But then again, in season one, he felt like more like the the top tier henchman. Yeah, in season yeah. one. Yeah, and and of course, season two, you know, he is now a partner in both crime and life with Mariah, and they're running Harlem. However, here's an interesting thing: Comanche, his best friend from the age of six years old or seven years old and serve prison time together and he gives him a job as soon as you know he gets out i used to hang out with the guy that plays comanche really yep that's thomas jones he is a legend from our area he went to high school uh in the next county over and one of my best friends um was his first cousin um, he has multiple state rushing records in the state of Virginia, and uh, he's he's about two years younger than me, but he used to hang out with us in high school, um, and he went to college at UVA, University of Virginia, graduated in three years, got drafted by the uh, Arizona Cardinals in the NFL. Uh, he played for the Cardinals, he played for the Tampa Bay Bucks, Chicago Bears, New York Jets. Uh, played he in was the a, he was played a, in the Super Bowl. He's one of the top twenty rushing ba- running backs of all time to, to, in, in rushing yards uh, earned. Okay, I was well. Fucking, I haven't talked to him since the '90s, since he was in college, right before he got drafted. But you know, uh, I, I mean, used to I, hang he, out he, with him. He, he I'll, I'll say this like about his character because his character he, was um, great. Yeah, he does a, a, a so. There's a scene. Where uh, he is the he is the uh, I don't want to say snitch. He's, but, well, that's what he is. He's he's the confidential yeah. informant, off the books confidential informant for the Harlem PD. Yeah, but, and you know, there's a scene. Street terms. A scene he's, he's a snitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a scene where he's talking to Reckenbauer. Is it Reckenbauer? Reckenbauer. Rittenhauer. 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 Yeah. Um, about uh, like he he's basically saying like I'm out. I'm done. This is getting more dangerous. Like. They're they're on to me kind of thing and and Shade shows up and yeah. his a knee jerk reaction is to hold a gun to the cop and then shoots him. Mm-hmm. And um in the scene where he's dying, like I legitimately was upset about that. Like I legitimately was just like 
this fucking sucks for both. Like, and then there was that whole reveal that they were basically like they loved each other yeah. and not just like as friends, but yeah, emo- like like sexually and and oh yeah, no, uh, like that one scene when they're having like lunch and he tells him, he's like, you know. Uh, Shade says to Comanche, he's like, it's not like it was when we were on the inside. Inside was inside, outside's outside. He's like, but I want inside to be outside, too. You know, I'm just telling you how I feel. Uh, They had some really deep moments together on screen. And both Theo Rossi and Thomas Jones did an amazing job. They had great chemistry together on screen and did some wonderful scenes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, he he was he was a he's a legend around here, man. And uh, that's awesome. You know, I had I'm, absolutely I'm, no idea. That's I'm friends with several of his cousins, and we used to run around in high school together and everything. And his uh his his parents, you know, both his mom and his dad worked in the coal mines. Uh, you know, oh, he shit. lived in a coal camp, a small town coal camp. You know, I mean, he he's had a work ethic his entire life and it shows and now he's you know he was in uh straight out of compton you know he was in that movie uh he's been in shameless I on showtime have yet to see that one yeah yeah i wanted so, to see that one for a long it's, time it's pretty awesome to see a local guy who was born in the same town i was you know m- making it it's it's cool and you know somebody yeah, that definitely like somebody that i was a friend with in high school you know obviously i wouldn't say oh i'm friends with him now it's been 20 years since we saw each other probably doesn't even remember who i am at this point you know um <laughs> but i'm just saying it was pretty cool to see him in the in the role so i really enjoyed the story arc he got to have <laughs> yeah um uh i uh you know I, Something about this about this season that I, I like to point out that I think season one did, but season two did better, was the quality of directors oh. that were telling you know having the actors feel a certain way and um and they I used didn't know this. they used a lot of female directors too, especially in season I two. Was, yeah, I was gonna say like Lucy Liu was the season or episode one director. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which I saw that and I was just like, wait, the Lucy, the Lucy Lou, yeah. And I had to look at, I was like, wow, yeah, absolutely, and just fucking incredible, yeah, incredible. Like the first season, every episode was directed by a man. Second episode, right. one, two, three, four, five, uh, I th- maybe six, but at least five episodes were directed by women. And let's see, one, two, three, yeah, uh, four of them. Well, you know, they were all solid episodes, but man, they did they did a really good job, really good job. Yeah, yeah. I think something that I think you know gives these Netflix shows uh, um, strength uh, above other. Marvel properties at this point is the emotional weight to the show. Um, and not so much on Luke Cage's character, but more the, like I keep saying, the, 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 the side the characters, the side characters, you know, not just, oh, yeah. not just, not just the antagonist, but look at Misty Knight, you know, um, she had 
really solid storylines. And in season two, it was just as much her show as it was Luke Cage's show. Um, she did a wonderful job. The actress that portrays her, um, she she did an absolutely wonderful job. Simone Missick's her name. Um, yeah. You know, I really... Uh, Alfrey Woodard, though, as Mariah Stokes Dillard, she absolutely stole okay. the show in season so gonna, two. I'm, I kind of brought up to you before we recorded. Yeah, I should have waited until now, but I'm going to talk about it right now. Oh, absolutely. She deserves a major award for a position. Would, would, would I mean, it be not, not would just, it be a leg lamp? A major award? Is that what it would be? A leg lamp? Thanks for the uh, Christmas story joke. You're welcome. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Um. Obviously, they're anyway, not going to make one out of my leg. Though, that'd be a hilarious Halloween costume situation. Anyway, get off track here. Uh, she has a part in the she has a, she has a scene in in, in a, a episode nine mm-hmm. where she reveals to her daughter her her actual history. Yeah, and her daughter's actual her history. her estranged daughter. Uh, it is, and I and I timed it. It is a ten minute monologue uh, that she has. Where it it is so powerful. There were a lot of scenes in this show where, like, I have a tendency to multitask. Where I have it, I have the show on my laptop while I'm playing a video game, or like, um, or I'm watching something, you know, like on YouTube or Twitch while I have the show going. You know, and I'm not, I don't have the volume on YouTube or Twitch, but I definitely have the show going on my laptop. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times I won't be paying super close attention to what's being said. Mm-hmm. Um, her monologue had me fixated, glued to my screen. I could not look away. It wasn't a fast monologue. No, it was. It was slow a well paced and deliberate. And it's just like every word that was spoken was intended to hit. Yeah, I was gonna say like uh, that it, exactly, Josh. Like when somebody's angry at you and they say every syllable in a word, mm-hmm. like you felt that when she was when she was doing this. The emphasis, oh, like you could tell exactly what emotion she wanted to get across in that scene, and oh, loved it. Like I, I kept thinking, like, man, if I was watching this in high school. I would want to find a way to do that monologue on stage, even though, whoops, that's a lot of noise for you guys right then, because I just hit my laptop. Um, I would want to find a way for me to do this, even though it's it'd be harder for a male to do that monologue, considering the context. Um, but it's just it's just so good. Yeah, that, it's so fucking beautiful. That moment, and beautiful agony, I should say. That moment really cemented who she was uh, right there. And then that moment and the moment in the uh, the restaurant afterwards when they go for retaliation in the next episode. Oh. Those two yes, moments yes. just totally defined who she was as a villain. It was amazing to see. And I mean, just, throughout... Like, She's she is the, the the she's the main main component to the show. Like she's the main antagonist. Uh, Bushmaster, he's not. I mean, he's fantastic. I, did, I didn't find Bushmaster to be an antagonist so much. 
uh, as well, just... he's an antagonist. He's an antagonist in the aspect that he's going up against our protagonist, uh, but he's not the main antagonist. Yeah, but he really has no issue with Luke Cage. Uh, he was like, okay, you know, under different circumstances, we could have been friends. He's like, I just want what's mine. Stay out of my way. And he's like, uh, I can't let you do that, you know, and that's the only reason they end up fighting, you know, it's right. just, uh, but I wouldn't straight up call him a villain. And, you know, he achieves what he wanted in the end, but it did cost him everything. It cost him his sanity. It cost him his health, um, you know, but he was very, very well written. Oh, I really enjoyed his character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I'll say this, and I'm going to be honest here. That thick accent. Yeah. uh, The the Caribbean Jamaican accent. Mm -hmm. um, It was so thick that there were moments that I could not understand what they were saying. And I'm just happy that I watch everything with subtitles on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is definitely one you would need subtitles for because a lot of the uh, thick Jamaican accents, uh, they use various words uh, like you know brethren uh, they use that instead of friend or brother and of course the subtitle you know uses what it would mean if we were using it in day to day speak so that really yeah. helped it's not that uh, some things though were subtle and hard to catch so I definitely recommend unless you're fluent in Jamaican um, watch it in subtitles or with subtitles on because there is some context, some meaning that may go unnoticed otherwise. But, I mean, it, it man, it feels it feels right. It feels good. It, it does. Feels like... It's not forced, you know. And the fact that hey, they use Jamaican actors, so you know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, there's a lot of little subtlety to everything they do that I thought was really clever and really smart. Like um, early on in the show. Um, it, it it there's a slow indicator to how, to like a, a foreshadowing, if you will, to, actually, to scenes later. And actually, the actor that uh plays um Bushmaster isn't Jamaican. He's actually from Harlem, New York. No, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like he he was he uh him and and I believe the uncle are not actually Jamaican, but a lot of the extras are. Okay. Gotcha. A lot of, like, the people in the, in, the, in the restaurant that get shot in that scene. Yeah. Whew. They are Jamaican. But, but they're not, it's not just Jamaican. Like, it's, there's, there's, um... Oh, yeah, yeah. A specific island that they're from. I don't know. It, it's, uh, I just, I'm terrible with remembering, like, details no, like it that. Was, but it was actually Jamaica, you know, because they... Was it Jamaica? They did uh, flashback scenes in Kingston. That's right. That's right. That's right. Thank you. I've totally, I totally spaced on that. Um, I just, I loved, I loved Bushmaster. I loved that character. I loved what Mariah does to the story. I, I loved how Luke Cage in this season isn't, he's not just a placeholder for the hero. Like he actually has more, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, after uh, the events issues. of the Defenders, the public knows who he is. You know, everybody knows who he is. And that's one of the themes in this season that 
they went with for him is struggling with his rising popularity and fame, uh, struggling with his humility as a result, and his anger, uh, especially the unresolved anger between him and his dad. And yeah. when they actually oh, resolved their issues, that was a beautiful, beautiful uh, scene. I could watch his dad. I could watch his dad act forever. Like that, that, that guy, that his act, that actor, he actually passed away after they finished the series. Up. I, yeah, that, that was real sad. Yeah. <laughs> I cried a little bit. I was like, oh my god, that's so sweet that they remembered him for that, but that's also really sad. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, but... Uh, what, there there, there was something, though, about this season that I did not like. What was that? The last five minutes of it. I hated it. Really? I hated how it ended. Absolutely despised everything about that ending. I, I'm curious as to why. Because... It didn't fit to me. It did. It felt forced and out of place because early on in the season, especially the first three to four episodes, you know, Luke's angry. He's struggling with this uh, rise to fame and struggling to keep his humility and he's struggling to keep his anger in check, you know, and he and Claire have the split and everything because he loses his shit and she's like, I'm not putting up with this. I'm leaving. You know, uh, his his manager and friend, Bobby Fish, you know, has to leave because his daughter is ill. He's going to donate his kidney to her. So he's basically he's left alone. You know, he's kind of on the outs with uh, Misty Knight a little bit because, you know, he doesn't always play by the rules and it's getting her into trouble and blowing some of her cases and shit. So he's struggling there. But after like four five episodes in. He's kind of back to his season one self, where he's taking care of shit and doing shit the way he did in the first season. And he's not really struggling with the anger so much because he's working shit out with his dad. You know, he's staying focused and he's the episode with Danny Rand, Iron Fist, where he comes in. Danny's showing him, you know, you got to find your balance. You seem really angry, but I'm like, you know, he doesn't come across as really angry. And at the end... You know, spoiler alert, he gets left Harlem's Paradise because Mariah wants it to corrupt him just like it corrupted everybody else in her family. And they set it up, and it's like, he's like, no, I don't want it. But then it flashes forward, and he has taken it. And now everybody is looking at him like he's the new head of crime, you know? And I'm just like, I don't like where that's going. Well, I, okay, so I think I, you're not supposed to like it. I, I full, full on, like, I don't think anyone is supposed to like it. Um, but I think it works really well for sake of storytelling because it, it, it makes, it makes Luke more of a flawed hero than just that Boy Scout, just that Captain America style attitude. Um, well, that's the thing. Me, he was already flawed and not really a Boy Scout, you know? I, I disagree. I think he was more Boy Scout than not. Really? Oh, yeah. I think he was way more Boy Scout than he wasn't. He he constantly was just like, there was no black and white with him. It was one way or the other. He was very much, 
this is right and that's wrong and and I'm not going to stand for it. But now with what happened in season or what happened in the season, he's learned that there is a difference and that there has to be there has to be a give and take and a balance, especially when it comes to Harlem, that because of how Harlem is is run, especially like after Mariah goes to jail and he sees Harlem just fall apart. He realizes that just getting rid of somebody who is the head of crime doesn't solve the problem. Especially when you got these other heads of crime in other territories now trying to move in. So he had to broker deals with the heads of the Italian families and etc. So like for him to go to the extent of becoming that head, he is now eliminated the potential of somebody worse taking that position. He doesn't want the position. Oh, I agree. But the problem is they set it up like he kind of does want it. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, that's uh, the idea. That, that's, uh, that's, that's only the idea is that it's... Yeah, yeah. And I just... is, is will, it, will it corrupt him? Will it not? We don't know because season two ends with that ambiguous attitude, which... And I know I you're a big fan <laughs> of ambiguity. And, you know, yes. I am too... But I just still, I didn't feel like that was a good note to end it on. I don't know. Uh, but I absolutely loved everything else about season two. I think it was, uh, this story was less about Luke Cage and more about Mariah. It was 100%. absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, uh, and, and, you know, I love the fact that Shades got such a huge part in season two and how he was so important. You know, yeah, and then, of course, absolutely. what happens to him at the end, that's, that's like, oh, man, that's, you know, uh, here's the thing. Arguably, For somebody, he got what he deserved. He got, absolutely got what he deserved. And here's the thing. When I say my favorite character, you know, is a favorite character for a reason, it doesn't mean that they're a likable character. He is an absolutely despicable, disgusting bag of shit. Oh, yeah. But... 100%. Theo Rossi's portrayal of him was just so incredibly well done. I could not help but love that despicable slimeball piece of shit. And he, uh, yeah. and you know, he gets his comeuppance in the end and he knows it. And he's just like, all right, you know, and that's the thing. He knows when he's lost. That's what I dug about his character. He knows when he's won and he knows when he's lost. He's not the kind of guy to gloat about things and resist things. He's like, all right, I accept it for what it is. And, you know, there'll yeah. be, a, there'll be a time to rebuild and come back. And I, I really dug his character a whole lot. I, uh, yeah, um, as much as I, I loved everybody that was in this story, honestly loved, I can't shake the idea that, yeah, this entire season was about Mariah and, and really everyone else just played a side role in her story. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I don't uh, disagree like, or dispute that at, at all. Uh, you know, because I keep thinking how everything, everything in the story revolved around her. It did. Everything did. It did. You know, you know, all the all the police involvement involved her. Everything hinged on her. You know, everything Luke tried to do throughout the entire season hinged on her, her actions, her, you know, whatever. And even after 
you know, she's arrested and put away. It's still all revolved on her. What does she do I'm gonna... after she gets arrested? What does she have done? Everybody that ever worked for her eliminated. Yeah. I, no, she was, yeah, she was, oh, man. Like, we've had some amazing villains, like we like we talked about earlier in the MCU Netflix series. Uh, she she easily takes the cake. And I two two major reasons she takes the cake for me. She doesn't have a superpower. Yep. Uh, but she's she's arguably more powerful than the people who do. Because she um, is incredibly ruthless. She is incredibly intelligent. And she knows how to play the system. It's just... Yep. Whew. Um, yeah, she knows how to manipulate people perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, um, like, like Kilgrave, you know, he had a power, but he, he used it in a very specific way that made him just a monster. Yeah. And, uh, even though, you know, after that monologue, um, her daughter calls her a monster, I just kept thinking like, no, no, I mean, a monster is not that calculating. Yeah. A monster doesn't specifically have something up their sleeve and use it at the best convenient moment. A monster just destroys. Mariah only destroys when she needs to. Mariah only destroys when it when it benefits her. Otherwise, she uses what she can. And she is very, just, oh man. very cold and calculating. Uh, one of the one of the I, best I, I, written yeah. villains in a series ever, in my opinion, yeah, by far, by far. Like I love, I love Kingpin mm-hmm. in season one of Daredevil. Oh, absolutely, love Vincent D'Onofrio's role. Yes, but she this, surpassed this role now it. Takes like this is yeah, absolutely, hundred uh, percent. I I cannot I cannot praise her enough and this role enough like. Well done to everybody who made this show. Well done to anybody who had any involvement in her writing. Just absolutely perfect. Um, Josh, any other thoughts before we move on to grading? My only, my only thing that I, the only thing I am sad about is that we will never see uh, the two of them, Vincent D'Onofrio and Alfred Woodard, uh, in the cinematic universe, the Netflix series, uh, together uh that would be that yeah. would be amazing to behold but it is what it is sadly but uh yeah yeah but yeah i agree with you on that like it's 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 really sad that we can't have that amazing dynamic uh it's not possible but you know what it doesn't make me i'm okay i'm, I'm yeah yeah i'm okay with that because we got this <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make me sad you know, per se, that we didn't get that because I am grateful for what we did get from the individual performances in their respective shows. But man, you can dream about a crossover, but whew, that was cool. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give my grade real quick, Josh. All right. Um, yeah, with everything that we said during the the like just praising it as much as we can, I give this season an A. Um, there was a lot a lot to love any any of the major players in the whole story were very fun uh everything they did made sense to their character even the opening bit where luke like gets blown up but then he walks out and he talks to the camera the guy that's filming for the stupid app and he's like 
everyone comes to find me and then he dabs i just kept thinking like oh my god luke you're like a dad you're like a dad trying to stay hip and it makes his care it perfectly fits his character um and uh and then you know like like we said bushmaster and mariah are just brilliant antagonist um if you wanted to flip the script and say that Mariah is the protagonist of the story and that everyone else is an antagonist, that makes even more sense. Because as we stated earlier, Bushmaster is not a direct antagonist of Luke Cage. Mm -hmm. He just happens to like, they happen to have similar goals, just different end games to those goals. And it's, it's like if Punisher and and Spider-Man team up, Um, uh, it's just, so much to love about this season. The the like I said, the directing and the emotional impact of every single scene is just perfect and dead on. The action sequences are fun to watch and enthralling, and uh, the music is just as good as season one, if not better. Uh, um, probably better. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it probably really was a little bit better, and. And uh, that's not that's not a bad thing in any way. Seasons one, season one's musical selections were phenomenal. There's something this season did that has not been done yet, and that's make Iron Fist a character that I like. Yeah, like I love I love Iron Fist and Danny Rand in the comics, but I can't stand him in the MCU. This was the first time I saw him that I was like, I fucking love Iron Fist. Yeah, dude, so, I was watching it, and that's one thing I want to bring up, and I meant to. Everybody was like, "Ooh, Iron Fist isn't good," you know. Uh, Finn Jones is—is is that his name? Finn Jones. He's he's yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just not a good Danny Rand. And, you know, keep in mind, I haven't watched Iron Fist, and I haven't watched The Defenders yet, but I watched that episode. I was like. This kicked ass. I loved him. He was great. They worked mesh so well together. It's like, what is everybody bitching about? Of course, now I'm going to have to go back and watch those two, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's, that's a. I mean, from my perspective, Josh, like, Iron Fist isn't the worst thing you'll ever see. It's not, like, as bad as everyone makes it out to be, but it's definitely not good. Um, and um, it, it's mostly just, it's because it's, like, boring, I think is the problem. Um, and Defenders is like, it, it makes Iron Fist a very annoying character, mm. like straight up. Like he, he is, he is the least interesting and the most obnoxious of the four in that eight part series. So anyway, but for, for the sake of this, like it was the first time Iron Fist was enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was giddy as a fucking school kid watching them team up. Like, oh, so good. I was so disappointed when the next episode rolls up and he's gone. I was like, oh, man. It's like, yeah, why couldn't the last four episodes just been Luke Cage and Iron Fist, you know, heroes for hire? Uh, so, man, but I'm happy with what we got. Oh, yeah. And, um, if you if you loved season one, you're going to love season two. At least I, I think you will. <laughs> I did. Um, but yeah, I give it a solid A. Josh, go ahead. Oh, uh, A. A as well. Um, the phenomenal acting all around. Uh, I know some people have actually complained about the, uh, acting. And honestly, I see no problems with it. I mean, I'm seeing characters that if I lived in that setting, I would be- these people are absolutely believable. Wonderful music choices and, you know, great uh, directing choices, um, you know, strong writing, strong dialogue. That one scene when Mariah tells Tilda about her past, her true past, 
that alone was just hands down the best moment in the entire series, both seasons. That was yeah. truly amazing. And there's been some great shit in both seasons, but that moment alone, wow. That, and I'm not going to spoil any of that because that deserves, that is something that deserves to be seen unspoiled. Um, just know that it's an episode nine. <laughs> uh, but I, I really, really enjoy everything, you know, musical selections, um, just, uh, I know I'm trying to ramble and repeating myself now. I'm a, I'm a comic book fan though. And I grew up on Luke Cage and Iron Fist as characters. They weren't my favorite characters, but I read their stuff. And this a, a, lot, a lot of my interactions with both Luke Cage and Danny Rand were team ups. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And and I didn't really start reading either of them until I started reading Heroes for Hire. That was my first like comic series with them, because they originally had a series called Power Man and Iron Fist. Like that was the series that they had for a long time. Yeah, and then but it, then there was a it it switched over were, in the last couple of years to Heroes for Hire, but it started out as Luke Cage and Iron or Power Man and Iron Fist. Right, right. By the way, there's a little nod I like that Claire calls him Power Man as he's leaving one day. Yeah, she's like, "Go get him, Power Man." I was like, "Hey." Well, you know, pops <laughs> pops actually referenced him as Power Man too in the first season. In the first yeah, couple episodes. Yeah, I so that. those were nice little nods. And there were a lot of nods to the comics. Yeah, things are a little changed from the comics, but you have to for modern storytelling. Certain things just aren't gonna stick. Uh but Absolutely. I loved how I mean I loved how that Bushmaster was able to go toe to toe with him without being enhanced by a suit like Diamondback. You know? Yeah, uh, oh, I've been I've been seeing a little bit of critique about that too. Like, oh, the the show gets a bit un, into the unrealistic part. I'm just like, really? No, this series has you, some crazy things. Yeah, that's the thing, and they bring and that's the thing. They bring that point up. Uh, I can't remember who brings it up. They bring it up to Luke. I think okay, yeah, it's it's Iron Fist. Oh, it's it's, it's Iron yeah, Fist so that brings about it up. The, the dragon. Yeah, he's like okay. You accept that you're bulletproof. You accept that my hand closed, but you can't accept a dragon. You know, kind of pointing the finger at, okay, you can accept that Luke Cage is bulletproof, but you can't accept that this guy's using, you know, herbs and remedies nightshade. and this nightshade plant to make himself as strong as Luke Cage. You know, okay, come on. That's, and it works so well. So, yeah. Yeah. Kudos there, thing. Solid A from me. I look forward to hopefully they'll announce season three is confirmed, and you know I think they'll do. Uh, um, the way that it works is it seems like a new series comes out roughly every six months, and we got Jessica Jones after Defenders, and we got um, uh, Luke Cage, and I know that they're doing a eventually a season three of uh, Daredevil. Sorry, season D Daredevil season four? three is coming out next. Season three. Daredevil season well, three is coming out. Well, I know they started. I know that. I know that season two of Iron Fist has been filmed. I know that. I just don't know when it's coming out. So. Yeah, there's not going to be but, a season two of Defenders. There is going to be there, another. There will not be no. Yeah, there is going to be a season three of Daredevil and season two of Iron Fist, and season two of Punisher. But then, of course, you know, Marvel's starting 
Disney's starting their own streaming service, so I'm wondering if those series will continue after that happens. And they might, or but also I think, I think it's like Disney knows what they're doing, and I don't think that they're going to alienate their audience away from Netflix just to kind of take their own content. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I don't I, I don't I don't see Disney doing that. But then again, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, guys, that's gonna do it for us. It looks like. Uh, the, the, the grade across the board was A. Huh. Um, Who are you, the Fonz? I was thinking of that joke for like five to ten minutes now. I just wanted to, I needed to get it out of my system. Uh, guys, next, next podcast episode. Oh, he did it. Be... He did it. He didn't say next week. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, in two weeks from now, Which from will, the day that this releases... It'll be the 13th of July. Um, we are going to talk about Glow Season 1 and 2. Technically 2, because it's coming out this Friday. Well, comes out today. I gotta think that we record this... We're recording the 27th. It releases the 29th. It's Wednesday today. They will hear it on Friday. But let's, let's reveal that curtain. But, don't look at don't look at the man behind the curtain, guys. Oh, that's um, okay. I don't care if they see the man behind the curtain because here's the thing: if they were patrons, they would get it today. I would mix it, and they would get it today, within an hour. True. Within an hour of us recording. So you know, that's very true. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. One of the perks um, of being a patron, and how do you do that? Well, you just go to Patreon.com/slash All Cued Up Podcast. Can I get to the other show before you do? Oh, that? yeah. <laughs> so it's close season two, uh, which Josh will have to watch season one, but that's fine because it's an amazing He's show. He's putting extra work um, on me, people. And I'm crippled. Whatever. I'm crippled, and he's doing this to me. <laughs> Hold on. You can't walk. So it's not like pressing a button on a remote is going to be a trouble for you. going to be a trouble for you. This podcast needs to end soon because I can't talk suddenly anymore. You know, anyway, the I'll have you know that this. I changed the b- channels with my big toe on my right foot. And guess what? I don't have anymore. Do you know how hard it is to try to do it with your left toe when you've been doing it with your right toe all your life? That's that's like uh, <sighs> what's that bicyclist name that fucking uh, was... He had steroids in his system where he was, he was boosting. He had one nut. And he's just like, look, if I can bike across Paris, sorry, if I can bike across France with one testicle, you can get off the couch with one leg, okay? Yeah, you just roll over. Brace for impact. <laughs> it's not an you accomplishment. Out with your big That's toe. not an accomplishment. Probably not. <laughs> anyway, so... So the other show that we're going to watch, guys, is called The Rain. It's a Scandinavian show, probably foreign with a different language to it. Um, but that's fine because we watched Dark that way and it was good. Dark was wonderful. Uh, and I can't wait. They're shooting season two now. Oh, they yep. are? Yeah, we'll definitely talk about season two. Um, we actually debated, uh, Josh and I debated a while back if we, if we were going to do season twos of certain shows and stuff like that. And I think... In in context, like a sh- you know a show that has a year between seasons is fine. We decided to stop reviewing essentially Voltron <laughs> because we just <laughs> did we just over. did season five earlier this year. Now the toys that made us we did do twice because hey we got to interview Brian Volkwas twice 
you can check out episodes 18 and 10, respectively. 10 if you want to hear his voice, too, because we lost the audio on 18. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Voltron, <laughs> you know, six, seven episode seasons every three, four months. Don't get me wrong. It's good. And this season was probably the best season yet, to be honest. Um, well, what we plan on doing is once the entire series yeah, is, I think, overall over, recap grade thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but you know, I think I think for the most part, it's also going to be a a um, case by case basis, and we'll this decide on like yeah. So, um, but that being said, guys, uh, Glow season two, the rain, watch those. Come join us in two weeks' time, where we're going to review those. And, uh, uh, yeah, what else do we have? We have the Patreon, we have shirts. You know, the, the uh, website, go to allcuteuppodcast.com. That's the hub for all of our content. There are links on a sidebar on the left-hand side that'll take you to our Patreon. It'll take you to our Facebook discussion group, our Twitter account, where you can tweet things to us. Uh, our YouTube channel, which I am behind on the YouTube videos. I am behind on those. I've still got to get those caught up. So the past two episodes haven't been uploaded, and I apologize for that. But hey, I just went through a major, major traumatic, life-altering, uh, near-death experience. So I think I'm allowed a little bit of leeway. <laughs> um, our Instagram account and all the audio locations where you can find us. Uh, Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, we're on Spotify and Radio Public. We are part of the Paid Listens program on Radio Public. So that means if you listen to All Queued Up on your mobile device on Radio Public, which works on both Android and iOS, you help us directly because paid per listen. It contributes in every thousand listens, and that's us 25 whopping dollars. Um, so, you know, hey, if every little bit helps. I mean, I just, I, 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 I mean, it's, I don't know if I ever explained this, but I'm, I'm, I'm a substitute on call person for the school district here where I live. And during the summertime, there's no work. So literally I'm not making any money until I go back to work and I had to drop Amazon prime and uh, YouTube red. So I, I don't have those currently. Um, I have access to them cause I have friends who have them that'll loan them to me, but I well, personally, have yeah, them. yeah, but hey, but also, also, you know, it, it's not just it's not just paying for that that helps us out. It pays for uh, the website. It pays for well, us to maybe have better equipment. That, that, that's and stuff the like thing. That. Anything we ever make off of Patreon or any paid listens program, that all goes directly into the fund for the show itself or future projects that we do, like improving equipment, like filling you know, fulfilling t-shirt orders, things like that. All that goes back into Absolutely. what we do. It's not going to be like, oh, great, we made $25 off of, you know, Radio Public. That's going to pay for Netflix and YouTube Red. No, we these things were already in our budget before that. We we started true, this true. we started this as a hobby uh because it's something we wanted to do and we enjoy doing. You know, anything we I'm make just stating, I'm stating just, if, if it's I'm stating if it's not in my budget in at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. 
they could help us become like like that's what I'm saying. Once I get back to work, it's in the budget again. Yeah. But at this moment, it's not. And if if we have you know people in the Patreon and it comes to a point where something like you know something in our life happens to where maybe we do have to pay for a month of Amazon Prime or what the fuck ever, they can definitely help with that. Yeah. Um. But that's not the primary goal. That's what I was getting. At. That's that's not the primary goal with the Patreon money. It's to pay for stuff with the podcast itself. It's to increase quality or increase exactly increase what we can the quality do for you bring guys. You, you know, content. Yes. Um. Uh. Yeah. That, that that's all I was getting at. Like it. It's nothing. Nothing that through. Any of the stuff that we do, making money wise, is gonna like I'm not gonna go and buy a video game with it because that doesn't do anything for the podcast. It doesn't help. Well, I mean, you know, all that would lead to is you be playing a video game and half watching a show we're supposed to be covering for these people. I play video games all the time. What's the point? <laughs> uh, I'm just giving you a hard time, dude. I actually, I actually probably play video games more hours of the day than I do watch Netflix. So there's that. But, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We turned it turned into Josh and I having a pseudo argue moment of what the money goes to if we get a Patreon donor donator. Well, they would be able to listen to the show this evening instead of Friday morning, and um. You know, it would be there in the yeah. coffer, you know, as one of the things, one of the things I really want to do uh, that I think would be super fun with Patreon, if we get enough people donating, is the, uh, the like Google Hangout while we watch something and commentate over it. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I really enjoy I doing do Google Hangouts with the guys at the, uh, in the realm of collectors, it's a lot of fun. So, um, speaking of that, I, I you know want to give a shout out to them uh, for having you on as often and and kind of helping us out a little bit with some uh, cross promotion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I was on this week's episode of uh, Verbally Challenged with Hurricane BX that just released Monday, uh, and we discuss you know holding certain fandoms um both fiction and toy lines to a higher standard over others you know and there's been lots of discussions recently about toxicity in fandoms and just interesting discussion topics there uh, but yeah that's that's a great group if you're into collecting anything at all check out the realm of collectors on facebook it's an incredible group of an incredible community of people I owe so much to um, just outstanding, wonderful place. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, give a, a big thanks again. We do this every episode, but a big thanks to um, uh, Genocide, Genocide Squirrel, Squirrel and, and McKay. And McKay. Uh, also Cody. Genocide being, being the one who drew our characters, our little cartoon versions. And McKay, who helped Josh with the website mm -hmm. um, big time. Uh, you can also check out Genocide Squirrel at twitch.tv slash Genocide Squirrel, where sometimes he plays video games, but a lot of the times he's doing art. He was actually streaming when we started recording, and he was playing Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Uh, 
Yeah, I was watching him play a little bit of uh, the um, uh, the French Revolution one, mm. uh, Unity. Cool. So watching him play some Unity. So um, yeah, definitely go check him out, guys. Um, I don't think McKay has a has a link we can throw, but well, she has a Twitter account and she hasn't streamed on her own channel for a while, but she does a lot of crochet and she does web design, and uh, you know we can throw their Twitter handles. In case you're interested in commissioning either of them for work, in the description. Yeah, um, a quick, a quick thank you to um, Cody or Balthazar, as he's known. Uh, if you go to twitter dot com slash Balthazar, um, spelled exactly how it sounds: B A L T H E S A R. S A R. Thank you. I was like, huh? Is it Z? Um. He uh, he did our he did a lovely intro and and he's helped with a lot of the audio stuff with the podcast as well. Uh, big thank you to that guy. Um, a, a very minor and small thank you to Valer, uh, for being being a great guy, but also he's the one who helped us with how the all queued up logo looks. Um, is this still his his initial design or was that touched up on? No, it's still his initial design. That was the initial, okay, straight so. up the initial design that he showed us, and I was like, you know what, I like that. Nothing against Anthony and what he had done, but I just like it a lot better. It's more in tune with the Netflix theme, and that's what we cover so much of anyway. Yep, that's exactly why we use it. Um, I mean, thank you to Anthony and Mission Star for giving us our start, so there's that. And giving us terrible things uh, to watch, like Devil Man Crybaby, you <laughs> rat bastard. <laughs> just kidding man me, i hope you're doing well and we look forward to seeing he's you. actually in uh he's in um he's in la uh, right now so yeah southern california well, not quite la i mean he is in long beach so that kind of is la but um yeah he's he's hunting for a uh a job that he can do while he's looking for his career job um and uh I feel like he's having slightly more success down there than he was having it in Central California. Well, that's good. But hopefully, it'll pan yeah. out for him. It, yeah, I really, I, I, yeah, like honestly, if Mission Star goes to the complete wayside for him to be more successful in terms of that stuff, like I'm a hundred percent for it. Like the dude's been a friend of mine for quite some time, and I like to just see him successful. So yeah. Um. Hey, but yeah, guys, I think I think that's gonna do it for us on the podcast. Yeah, right? I just we've been going for yeah, we've been going an hour, hour and a half, half now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I want to give just a big another shout out to the entire Cool Table Network. It's a collection of podcasts that uh, you know I'm involved with in some capacity, not like actually involved with the shows, but the community in the realm of collectors. You know, supporting the community. I've appeared on several of their podcasts, um, but yeah. Great network of shows if you guys are into toy collecting, collecting of any sort, uh, music, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of cool things there. It's the Cool Table Network. Check them out. Sweet. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's going to do it for us, guys. Again, remember next week, it's going to be Glow Season 2 and uh, The Rain. The rain. It's the rain. That's what it, not just rain. I said the rain. It's like the rain that falls down, not like the rains on a horse or like the rain of a dictator. Thank you. I was trying to think. I was going to say Third Reich, and I was like, that seems weird, and I shouldn't say that. And then I did, and now I'm regretting it. 
That's okay, I know, because I, love... I cannot edit it out and make you feel even worse, Friday. <laughs> Don't edit it out. <laughs> dare you. Uh, uh, anyway, guys, I, again, that's going to do it for us. Thank you again for listening. If you've made it this far, I mean, you're, you have more staying power than I you would, deserve, so congratulations. You deserve a fucking cookie. Go get you one. <laughs> go, get, go get you a cookie. All right, guys. Thank you again. We will see you next time. Take care, everybody.